Are you going to eat watermelon during the show? Yeah. I want to talk about a re-entry into life diet after Whole30. I want to talk about the concert we just went to and the concert we're about to go to. Well, if we're going to talk about the concerts, then I know that we're going to have to talk about my observation of how generations do concerts. Well, I think it's all going to weave together perfectly because we ate some food at the shows. We did. <laughs> if you're going to eat watermelon during the show, then I'm going to, full disclosure, kill a fly with a fly swatter during the show. I've got my fly swatter at the ready. I grew that watermelon. The advantage of being the farmer, when you take a couple of watermelons... And then you get one inside and you go to start distributing to customers. And then you notice that one of them has like a little bit of a bad spot on right. it. Well, guess what? I get to eat that watermelon. I'll cut the bad spot right off. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to start by going back in time. Okay. Show me. Listen to the random question of the week, a little portion of it from episode 3.37. That's last season, this past May. Mm-hmm. Because we bought tickets to a concert. Jane's Addiction. Mm, I'm so excited, by the way. Several songs take me back to the second half, the second semester of my freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. And I told my daughter I was going through a depression and didn't realize it at the time. Mm -hmm. And that music, of course, is fantastic for keeping a depression going. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge Perry Farrell fan. Yeah. And that says a lot about the shit I've gone through mentally. <laughs> and this past week we went. We did. Smashing Pumpkins, Jane's Addiction Concert. The one that you were so excited about because it was a bucket list show for you. Yes, because back in 1993, I was about that time, Perry Farrell was some sort of crazy god to me. Which if you think about what Perry Farrell was in about 1993, he was out there, man. Perry Farrell started Lollapalooza, correct? Yes. Right. That was him and his crew of musicians that started doing that stuff. I saw Snoop Dogg at Lollapalooza. I've never been to Lollapalooza. It wasn't a great one. It was here in Corpus Christi. That's... We, yeah, we bought four <laughs> tickets. Savannah was going to go with us, and one of the kids would definitely come to the show. We could not get any takers. They are busy people. <laughs> so it was just Savannah, you, and I. Yeah. I told Savannah on the trip a little bit about my relationship with Jane's Addiction. Don't you love how music just takes you right back to like, it's like a portal to the year that you remember that being like... A big deal. It does. And mm -hmm. for a semester's time's worth, Jane's Addiction was my number one band. So what year were you a sophomore in college? It was a, my second semester of my freshman year. Okay. So what year was that? I graduated high school in 90. So the second semester would be early 91, no? I guess so. Yeah. So I was a little bit behind you even still with Jane's Addiction because I keep thinking 1993 is when it would have been for me. I was going to say maybe it was your our age gap, but I don't think it was because you were always into good music. Okay, fine. But in 1993, I was only 13. When I think about what I was listening to in 13, that was me in the alternative from mainstream, certainly, even then. So sure. that would be the same for you. No? Yeah, I was listening to Nirvana. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. Two years earlier, I was 11. Okay, so... I was listening to Millie Vanilli <laughs> and, and Backstreet Boys. What was, was the your, Backstreet okay. Boys? No, that wasn't me. Do you remember a... Fuck if I can even remember. ...specific time? Oh, no, I was New Kids on the Block, dude. You were into them. Because <laughs> it wouldn't have gotten more mainstream I wasn't mainstream really than that. into them, but I was. I mean, if you think about it, the year that New Kids on the Block came out, I was like in the fourth grade. Sure. I was like a baby. <laughs> and I was in high school. That's weird. And... <laughs> I even knew New Kids on the Block songs. They they were so ubiquitous. Yeah. 
The first time was a good time. The <laughs> second time had a twist. The third and the fourth time. I don't want to miss. Come on, you come on. You got the right stuff. <laughs> I was in love with Jordan. Like, whatever. <laughs> Do you remember the time, though, that you made some kind of transition into more alternative music? Yeah, it was about eighth grade. You I started remember listening to Doors, thing? and then I started listening to uh, doors Nirvana's. To... Well, I told you that... This trip up there, going back in time to Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction, had me thinking about the 90s music I was listening to, and especially mm. watching the kids, you know, Savannah's turning 17 birthday, what are they into, what's the music they're into, and right. they really are into the 90s music, a lot of like what we're in, we were into, they're into now. It cycled back around. And it made me think about having a cassette tape of Smells Like Teen Spirit, and I made Grandpa Dean listen to it in the like... <sighs> Buick. (laughs) What was Grandpa Dean's reaction? I don't remember, but it couldn't have been that bad. When did I ever ask? I got a new tape, you know, because Mimi and Grandpa Dean took me to the mall. I'd go to the mall. They'd go mall walking and I could go to the record store and shop. Sure. The cassette store. Right. What what were they called during my time? There wasn't really a record store at the mall. It was just a big giant. You probably named the record store. Camelot, maybe? Uh, Something like that. Anyways, that I transported back to being a child listening to Nirvana and The Doors, and that was kind of some of the entry points I remember. Mine was Sting, the Dream of the Blue Turtles album, Free, Free, Set Them Free. It was getting radio play because the police got radio play. And when he went solo, yeah, I connected to big time. I got that cassette. Boys Don't Cry. That was a big one for me. Oh, er, that early. was ninth grade huge <clears throat> for me. That was a right turn straight mm-hmm. into European alternative music. And then R.E.M. Right, um, that gets R.E.M. you back was to stand. America. That yeah. was, I, that, I remember that from fourth grade big time because we did a big talent show, like an open, a Follies. Okay. Well, I went to Gregory Portland and Gregory Portland was like a big deal in the theater they world. Had a big theater department. A big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so we did Follies every year in Portland. And I remember the that I was in the fourth grade and I was new to Portland and the cool girls that were in the sixth grade were singing R.E.M. Stand in the talent show. Recreating the video. The yeah, day. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's f***ing fly. <laughs> Missed it. It's your fly. Don't bother me. You reminded me of a trip that I went to Big Bend with my mother and my grandmother, my dad's mom. And me, I had just turned 16 and I was the driver all the way to Big Bend. And before CDs, we collected cassettes and you would have different carrying cases Mm -hmm. for the different amount of cassettes that you needed for that thing. (laughs) So for this ride, I think I took a 12 kit and my cassettes were Depeche Mode, The Smiths, The Cure, Erasure, that New Order, that line of thinking. That music for me was like eighth and ninth grade. And I drove my mother and my grandmother crazy, (laughs) crazy. So that finally, when Morrissey was coming on yet again. Oh God. She was like, can we, even I can't handle that Can we turn on the radio? (laughs) (laughs) I learned something valuable that day. Everyone at the party should have a taste in the music selection. (laughs) So I think I tried to find some country music for her. Oh, how how lovely. How lovely of you. Well, Jane's addiction for me, that second semester of my freshman year, I was in a deep depression Uh that came from some of that stuff that I began talking about a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. with my upbringing and all. Mm -hmm. The first semester of my freshman year was this fantastic freedom. Yeah. 
But then I pledged a fraternity my second semester, mm -hmm. moved dorms to a situation that wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was the semester that I first tried pot. <laughs> And I loved it and went deep, <laughs> deep, deep into it. And who knows? That might have been medicine for the depression, but I didn't realize that concept back then. No, 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 no. Nobody did. And on top of that, you didn't do it. But regardless. Drink alcohol while you're of doing course. it. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. stupid shit. I was in a deep funk. Jew. Missed it again. It's annoying. It's bothering me. It's bothering you because you always smell so good. Why don't you take the fly swatter? A bright spot was I had an evening shift once a week at the local radio station. Oh. And I played an alternative show. Really? And I could bring my own music as long as it didn't have profanity. Oh, Baylor. Uh -huh. Baylor, they would take... We were playing vinyl. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. And I was bringing my CDs. You know, I didn't... I guess I didn't realize... I mean, I feel like maybe you've told me that before, but I don't really have a good, strong, like, connection with the fact that, oh, yeah, he was, like, a radio DJ in college. Because I tell people all the time when they start talking about being radio hosts and this and that, and we talking about the podcast and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, I, when I met Joe, he was into radio. That was one of the things he did. Radio, you wrote for the newspaper? Yeah. You were all about Mr. Corpus Christi those days. They would You're the take, Baylor radio you know, you know guy. What, you know what a record looks like. <laughs> You've got the grooves of a song. Then you have that smooth groove between the songs. Uh -huh. They would listen to the records and put wax crayon X's over the tracks that you were not allowed to play, which made them unplayable. Uh, and I remember... That makes my stomach hurt. I know, but I it. was raised in all of that. And I remember a... looking at that album going, this Ugh. is a bunch of bullshit that we can't play the song. This is the place to play something you've never heard before or something that's a little challenging i mean as long as it's not violating i guess the fcc requirements yeah there's seven deadly sinful words what difference that they does have. it make that it's all the same <sighs> shit it's all the same moral policing i'm listening to the second book in octavia e butler's Earthseed series and listen to a book like that and oof you will be way turned off from censorship because it's crazy. Well, Shit one of the albums, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, when you take away your rights to, I'm gonna power through and get this stupid story over. With. <laughs> one of the albums that I was introduced that semester to was Jane's Addiction, Ritual de lo Habitual. If you're gonna say it, say it right, man. Señoras y señores. Oh, it's so good. I got to scream it. I got to scream it. One song they hadn't X'd out was Stop, the mm -hmm. first single. Mm -hmm. Here we go. No, yeah. Yeah. no more. Gonna stop. Ugh, at the so end, so at the fun. end of the song, turn off that goddamn radio. <laughs> and they didn't next that one out. Uh -huh. I played it every shift. <laughs> you said I could. <laughs> and I got deep into Jane's Addiction that, that semester. So and the, by the following semester, I had worked through, I think, the things I needed to work through. Some of them, and it was a much brighter rest of my college experience. So I told that story to the kids. Like, let me connect you with this music. Mm -hmm. So... That weight loss that I experienced with Whole30, mm -hmm. very, very confidence building and the ability to wear some clothes out of the back of the closet. Mm -hmm. So I pull out my Chuck Taylor All-Stars. Oh, yeah. I put them on with my jeans. They're well, they're worn. It's not like I had a brand new pair of clown shoes. <laughs> yeah, you, you come up to me and you say, so do I look like 50-year-old dad trying to be cool? And I was like, yeah. And you're like, I don't want to look like that. And I'm like, but you are. <laughs> I just know the trying to look cool yeah. is the worst part. <laughs> and then I said, 
I've owned Chuck's for a decade, damn it. <laughs> and then the best part about it was as we're walking out the door with Miss Fashionista, a 17-year-old, she literally looked up at you and she didn't mean anything. Like, it wasn't a joke. And then all of a sudden she, like, stopped herself. Like, she looked up at you and she goes, are you wearing that? <laughs> no, I was just jeans and a long sleeve shirt with my <laughs> sleeves rolled up a little bit. Solid color. Wasn't obnoxious. I wonder what she meant. What did she mean? What did she expect me to wear? Know. I don't know. Like Hawaiian shorts <laughs> and a no shirt? Maybe a t-shirt. Maybe a mm. t-shirt. I don't know. Who knows? I freaking danced the second that Perry Farrell walked on that stage till the second they drug his little happy ass off the stage. Yeah. Wasn't he happy? After all that I kind of watched that guy go through and then for him to like be that and for them to be that, for that matter, like I've got so much to say about how we're aging, how generations are aging and the differences. Oh, yeah. That was a group of people our age. Totally. And maybe a couple 17-year-olds yeah, that exactly. were being dragged along for the ride. Yeah, exactly. Cool 17-year-olds that don't mind going to shows with their 50-year-old yeah. parents. We were those kids. I went to shows. You said James Taylor. And I'm like, yeah, James Taylor is a good example of that. You know, See, like, my parents didn't do pop culture music. So my journey was all me. Uh, they didn't play like Simon and Garfunkel on the record. Play. I mean, you know, it was nothing like that at all. I did some pop culture mix over with my parents, but a lot of the well, stuff you know, that you I crossed that your over mom played with, music. Oh my gosh. You know, I honestly don't know that I give my mom enough credit for how much she influenced music in my life because my mom played all kinds of records while I was little. And then she played the CD player. And she always, my mom always, yeah. you know how she is. She's got the oh, top yeah. of the line, whatever she can oh, get in terms of media stuff. Oh, when we walk in at Christmas, stuff. the Christmas music is on. When yeah. we walk in for yeah. some kind of crawfish boil, she's prepared a playlist. Yeah. Your, your mom yeah. knows how to do music right. Yeah, she had an awesome Bose system. That was a big deal. And yeah. she played, I've heard every Beatles song, every Elvis song, every Who, uh, Bread, you name every, yeah. like, did she, did she give you Janet Joplin or did you learn that one No, yourself? that one was my own. Mm -hmm. they, my parents did a little bit more of that urban cowboy kind of like uh, smoke on the water, deep purple kind mm -hmm. of like. My dad was a road. My dad rode bulls. My parents rodeoed. My my dad's call sign. What do you call it? Whenever you CB call sign uh -huh. was a saltwater cowboy. Isn't that cute? <laughs> They're so cute. They they remind me of Bud and Sissy always. I always think about that. Because... That's his handle on Reddit now. <laughs> Anywho, it was an interesting generational watch. Yeah. And it's got me thinking a lot about the way generations are aging and then what's coming for the future generations. And it's been on my mind. Those conversations have been on my mind. My favorite part was I'm an observer. Like I really am. My people watch I like to watch different types of conversations, debates. I like to watch it from the outside. I love that. Yeah, we'll people watch I love for people a watching. while if we're in a good spot. Just yeah. stop and pay attention. Yeah. I think that there might be an awkwardness to my observation that is I don't look up at people. I always look down at their shoes and I watch people's shoes pass by me. And, I, and so I'm noticing all these great outfits go by, all of these 50-year-olds pretty much the standard average of the age in that to room. 60 maybe, you know? Yeah, so 50. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we're so freaking cool. Like all the coolest t-shirts. We've been to all these great concerts. Oh yeah, it's very important at a concert to wear your concert t-shirt that's going to like really impress people. Oh, you've got like the, the women... In this crowd, the women are like fit too. Yeah. Like we're like rocking yeah, little chicks. That's a, like, that's a function of Austin. 
but also fitness I at a think, higher priority than totally. Around. But I also think that like a running crowd that would go on a Wednesday night to sure. a concert like that is like we're cool. <laughs> like we're right. cool fifty year olds, you know. But he's wearing a Sebado t shirt. <laughs> no, but my favorite thing was that everyone had the coolest outfits, but everyone had on their sensible shoes. Mm. Cool sensible shoes. But very sensible shoes. Most men, most of the men had Chuck Taylors or hey. Sambas or yeah, Pumas or something like that. And most of the women had some, thank God, the 90s are back in style, some big clunky, some big old thick soles on them. I remember as we were headed to the show, I think you were like, wait a second, no, this isn't outdoors? Oh, yeah, I hate that shit. An indoor facility already ruined the Pixies for me. This one didn't go that way, I pref- but I was, I wasn't going to let it go that way. I was going to fucking dance my ass off. Even if I was the only one in the damn place all by myself dancing. Oh, that's another thing. Cause I need An to get in the vibe. Crowd. I got to dance. Okay, We're talking so, Jane's addiction, right. man. So the arena was the Moody center. It's on UT campus and you can tell it's very new. And speaking of the concession stands, there were awesome. I loved that self checkout one. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was cool. And they did have a bubbly sparkly thing. So I didn't have to drink soda water. Or right. Whatever. So you walk up, it's almost like a convenience store. And then you go to the self-checkouts and there's 15 of them, mm-hmm. like a self-checkout at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. If the goal is to eliminate lines, the bottleneck is the cashier. There's only two or three. Now there's 15 of them. Grab what you want. You're in, you're out. It was great. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was a designated go get some more of something else guy. And I got to know one of the helpers. Like at the at the grocery store, there's a helper at the mm-hmm. self checkout mm-hmm. when you got when you try to buy wine and they need to come over and ensure that you're 21. Or my very favorite extra item in the bag area, and there's nothing in the bag area. He was having to help the older people work it. Oh, are you were one of the older people? Hell no. <laughs> the younger people would zip through, and the older people maybe he'd have to go over there and like try to help them along. <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins were famous as well, and they sang. They sang famously. They sang famously. It was great. But it was a hit build show. It was great. It was just there to please the audience. It was great. But you did not stop dancing for that entire Jane's Addiction show. Uh, That's uh, the truth. I'm here to witness. So much fun, you guys. That's the reason why I like to go to outdoor concerts because that's what it's about. That's what it's about, you know. And. Frankly, as far as I'm concerned, if you go to a concert, even in a CD concert, there are no rules. I'm at a freaky concert. Right. Like, (laughs) if I want to get up and dance, I'm going to get up and dance. Looking at that and then just kind of keeping an eye on, especially in the last two years, how are the generations handling things? As we're moving into our kids are all turning 18 now. And so the millennials, the 30-year-olds are not even the young generation anymore Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, then the Gen Zs are all turning 17, 16 Mm -hmm. and 17, you know, and how are each of these different phases going through aging? That's been kind of an interesting dynamic for me to watch because time is changing way too fast right now for us not to say, even when we're looking at the first three kids versus the last kids still in high school for two more years, Mm -hmm. the big, big gap that we're seeing between generations because they grew up like little avatars in the computer world. Yeah. I mean, I can't say. Especially Savannah. No (laughs) doubt. No doubt. And I can't say that I 100% understand it. I'm the 50-year-old resistant to TikTok. Yeah. 
You shouldn't be. It's, uh, it's I know. It's the brave new oh, world. Oh, it's not even it's, smart to do it. We said it a few weeks ago. These are all communication devices. Right. And if you want to be fully communicative in our society yeah. and you're not participating. Yeah. You're going to get left behind. Like those, it or not. Like it or not. Right. And my mom and that mm-hmm. age group mm-hmm. that, that has not embraced it. And I'm speaking generally there because there are some that have. But even they, still. They don't, they're, they're ready to be left behind. Yeah. They're fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all have y'all's things. Exactly. But us still communicating and then going and watching those folks at the concert and thinking about then going to Savannah's birthday party at the surf club and hanging out with a table full of 15, 17 year olds, their first ACL concerts, some of them and talking about that and making jokes about making sure you wear your sensible shoes, you know, and all that. It's got me really thinking a lot about generations and the way different generations are handling different things. And of course, for me, nothing stays very like shallow in the, oh, culturally, we're just generally changing generations, you know, things are speeding up and that's just how it works. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is bigger than that. To me, this is a big, big, big philosophical look at what's coming and where are we going and what's the next generation going to be like as every single thing is changing. Like, how do we even give advice to this generation of kids coming up as it relates to the computer, as it relates to college, what to do Mm. when they go to college, Mm -hmm. what to do when they go into the professional world after college. Like we, we can't even give them any sound advice right now because things are changing too fast. Or some would say old systems are breaking. I mean, we were, you were there. I know I was in that generation that firmly believed that a college education was a requirement for for future It was a requirement, but for us, it was the promise of a future. Like all you have to do is go to college. And when you get out of college, that's it. As long as you have a degree and we got out of college and it was like, it didn't make an effing deal, man. We could have been working at McDonald's making the same amount of money. The break was occurring right there. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. The system being the success of upper learning institutions, higher learning institutions. Like Mm -hmm. that is a machine and a system and COVID certainly put a crack into it. Mm -hmm. Some of them could bounce back a little more quickly than others, et cetera. But I think you're right around your transition there from high school to college was when people really started saying in earnest, how valuable and required is this? I would say that it was a little bit after that because we were still of the, when we went to college, we were still being promised. Well, you guys were really pushing that rock up toward the cliff. Mm-hmm. And then what we came you... out with a kid going, um, where are all those jobs we were promised? Right. You know, because what pretty much student loan debt? one of us can work as a, you know, a PE teacher making $28,000 a year. And the other one can work at Casa Ole. The college degree <laughs> is a requirement for that teaching, correct? Yes, and of course it is. And then your salary is 28000 That's the reward well, for the Well, he, he wasn't education. certified when he first came out, but he had a college degree. I mean, think about the... Who didn't know systems were coming for failure when this was the scenario that we came out of college? He's going to be a teacher or someone in the sports industry because he got a degree in sports medicine and kinesiology Mm -hmm. and things like that. In order to finish his degree, even without the teacher part of it, Mm -hmm. in order to finish his degree, he had to get an internship. Okay. And the internship didn't pay. And on top of the internship not paying, he had to pay for college 
for the courses where he was going to go work for somebody for free. Right. Yeah, right. Imagine. And, and but that's I'll tell you the bubble we burst, we burst the college loan bubble because we took all, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's how you do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he definitely didn't have any money for college from right. his parents. I had a, I had college money, but thank God I had some money because we used that money to pay for the first couple of years of life with a child so that I could finish my degree and he could go to school and work for free and listen to us and take student loans to pay. Listen to (laughs) us, people that could easily get college and ride that system. Then you think about outside the system, there are folks that, okay, that's the requirement. There's absolutely no way that I can afford that. Any part of it. Right. If I know that the workforce is ready to begin paying me today. Well, yeah, sure. Except that back then the workforce wasn't ready to pay you back. We were in that, that juxtaposition where it's like you have to have a college degree, but yet there weren't any jobs for people with college degrees. Right. So then it's like, okay, well, now we've got to go back to the way, way, way entry-level basic jobs that people coming straight out of high school were getting. Right. And that stuck with me for years. And that, that lowered my value as a human for such a long time because it stuck with me for years that somehow I was underqualified. Mm-hmm. But I worked all of the time. I worked. I raised a child. I went to college. I did all of these things. But I was always an entry level. Like always. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck this shit. And I still, to this day, one of the things that gets me triggered is the pay rate in Corpus Christi. Ooh-wee. I get mad about that shit because I look at those jobs and I'm like, there's no freaking way. Yeah. And I can, I've even had you put them side by side comparison. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no freaking way directors should be making $45,000 a year. Yeah. Directors of major hotel brands that are charging more for our per night rate than they are in other bigger cities where they're paying twice as much money to the, the same, for the same job, for the same job, mm-hmm. two hours away. Yeah. Guess why everybody's driving up okay, there. Okay. So that's a system that needs to be broken. Yeah, oh, lots of systems that need to be broken. When is that going to happen in Corpus Christi? Oh, I, I foresee, <laughs> <laughs> I foresee a Honestly, honestly, not to scare people. I keep saying that, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that I foresee in the next couple of decades, a full on crash of the, all of the systems that exist around us, an end of times type of crash. And I don't think I disagree with you because we're still seeing system after system really strain under the current inability for it to operate. Listen, when you're sitting around in groups of people who support public education, saying they're pulling their children out of public education. hmm When you're sitting around listening to people talk about how people are coming out against specific types of things that are actually occurring in their house, the thing is, is that we are so unaware of what's actually occurring that we're out there like echo chambering, yelling about things that we're never actually getting anywhere with things. The debate du jour. Yes. And that debate du jour is going to be the end of it all. It's going to be the end of it all. It's why I have taken your lead in really trying to divest myself from the debate du jour. Yeah. And it's hard. I'm trying to make the lead on divest thyself from systems where where you can. I mean, uh, my friend Jennifer and I were talking about this yesterday as it relates to advising my daughter on college. I don't expect some of the systems that you would advise her to go to for human development, social work, design, as it all relates to kind of like human, like Mm -hmm. she has an interest in 
compassionate nature and human service and human development, send her through the college system, take the classes, but stay out of the system. Don't, don't be so locked into the system because I don't know that that system's even going to be here in another decade. It's way easier to tell Cortland, Cortland, go ahead, get the degree. Economics is going to be strong enough for you to make a shitload of money over the next decade. Mm -hmm. Go do that. Put your head down, make a bunch of money, then come home. Then to say, okay, go get a social work degree. When literally a friend that worked in that system sat down in my yard this last week and told me, yeah, don't advise her to go into that system. She won't be making more than the McDonald's employee is. And she'll be working all the time. And she'll be hating herself because the whole system is a complete and total disaster. And she'll be wanting to help every single person because her heart is open. What do you even tell them to do? Like in those particular conversations, conversations, we're seeing all the different types of systems break down. We're watching a college student in the economic system going, mm -mm, this is not, this isn't going to maintain, this There's is not going to maintain. And then another one that's like trying to figure out what do I even take classes on because my heart, I'm a heart centered, like social worker type personality, human development type personality. Yes, I agree. I know mm -hmm. you are. Uh, so am I, of course we have to make our own ways. The industry are whispering. Mm -mm. Yeah. Don't mm. do it. Don't do it. And all of this stuff has got me kind of constantly taking this bigger vision that I always talk about with myself, this hundred thousand foot vision and going, okay, how do I, how am I able to, without scaring people say things like end of time? Okay. That's big. And there's a lot more that has to come with like my far out thoughts about space and time to really make that not sound like a really scary apocalyptic, the devil is coming the fire and brimstone. Kind of wording, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not anything to do with that. But what it gets me thinking about is all of the hands in the dirt learning and grounding down into a place where I can actually see the cycles of life in a place where I'm with a community of people learning how to step away from the current mainstream systems. How do we grow our own food? How do we process our own animals? How do we build our own houses? How do we have access to water? How do we have access to electricity? How do we have access to Wi-Fi and the internet? Where do we put people to sleep if some of the kids have to come home because those particular businesses aren't really working anymore, even though they got the degree that they were told to get, you know, all that kind of stuff. What are we going to do when we're going through this next phase? And what creeps me out about the whole thing is that people are so asleep in this conversation. What do you mean? It's almost as if they're afraid to say it, you know? Maybe they're afraid someone will accuse them of being a conspiracy theorist, but the writing is on the wall because everyone is talking about it. I think that I'm seeing a difference in what people are participating in in a mainstream conversation and what they're talking about in a smaller group that is safe and intimate to talk at. Mm -hmm. It is difficult when I tell people I'm not following it. Mm -hmm. They are confused because it has also reached this entertainment saturation. You're talking about the debate du jour or I'm the most I'm talking interesting about pop culture. Lately, like... it's politics because oh, it, you're watching shit. the mass media ramp up what yeah. is going to be one of their most profitable times of the year. I want to repeat that. Mm -hmm. The media is ramping up what is going to be almost like the World Cup. Every four years, mm. a very large profit center, and that is political talk on pick the website. It doesn't matter. Mm. 
-hmm. Clicks equals dollars. And this is one that's really going to agitate the debate du jour culture that we find ourselves in. Yeah. I'm We're so... not going to talk about it here. Like, can we say that at the, at this dinner table? You can expect us not to discuss that. Well, it's it's not that no, it's never not that never. we're no, it's not that we're not going to talk about it. It's just that we talk about it from a different vantage point. I certainly do. I certainly do. And this is the problem when I ran for mayor, being a public leader, anywhere I ever am, people want to label me so badly. They want to know, is so she a it's Democrat or a Republican? Yeah. Is she a Christian or does she not believe in religion? And is it is my she, religion? Yeah. What is she? Does she clean up after herself or is she a messy kind of person? Where in the world does this being exist? And yesterday she said this, but the next day she says something that sounds so like against what she said yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it's this like constant paradox because I sit outside of it. A binary system. I sit outside of it and I'm like... Yeah. You guys, how do we not recognize this is nothing I haven't already said a thousand times about the idea that it's just a reflection. It's just a reflection. We're yelling at ourselves the exact same argument from different sides of the fence. And the only way that you can actually know that's occurring is if you wake up enough consistently to begin to step back and allow the triggers that draw you back into temptation to pick a side, pick a side, pick a side. Cause I still do it. I still pick a side, pick a side, pick a side, even though I'm like constantly like stepping further back and further back and further back and just outright saying, this isn't even an argument anymore. I'm sitting out here and I am watching and this looks like a fucking circus and I am not interested in coming to the circus anymore. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go out in the middle of the country somewhere and I'm going to cut flowers <laughs> and I'm going to cutting make... those, You're cutting those flowers wrong, by the way. Huh? Well, we're not going to find about things out here? No, we can fight about things, but let's fight about something that's like legitimate and worth fighting about. Like, let's actually have a legitimate conversation. It's funny. Someone could be like triggered by right this moment. They're, they're talking about my thing. That's the most important thing to talk about. Right. Well, I mean, I have things and so do you. We mm -hmm. have our things. I mean, we had to get through a conversation last week where we talked about how we're pretty opposed to each other when it comes to this particular horror discussion. Mm. And so we have these types of conversations that come up all the time in our house where it's like we have to work each other through. See, to me, one of the things that I see as an issue on like two-sidedness is it's as equally negative to be on one of the sides as it is to be accusing the sides of being on sides together. I like just, you just, I, you know, I do understand if exactly you recognize what you mean. polarization, yep. you're pointing out polarization. Let's just go. You're a third new side that's being just as negative. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and if there's three sides, there could be four. And if there's four, there could be infinity. And that's how I'm approaching everything. Be curious, not judgmental. I do not know everything. It is presumptive. It is arrogant for me, Joe, to think that I know everything about this topic to where I can get up in someone's face or challenge a belief that I just haven't been curious about. I kind of see it a little bit differently. I see it in what? that the idea is for me is that I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know That's, until I don't know. Uh, we're kind and of saying the same thing. But my thing about that is, is that I'm going to tell you what I know. See, I think that a lot of times we get so we're not brave about what we talk about. Tell us what you know. 
and say it with confidence. And do not be afraid that tomorrow you might know more than you knew yesterday and you might actually change your mind and say something completely different. We said this two or three weeks ago. That's the problem that people have a problem with the most. And that is, you're asking me to change my mind? My mind is already made up. And for me to change my mind is some kind of weakness that I cannot allow for anyone to see. So yeah, no, let's all it's too chaotic from time to time. It's too chaotic for people. People need to be told this is the group I'm involved in. And this is the direction that goes. That's what I'm saying. When I go back to me saying, you can't label me. I can label myself from time to time if I choose, but I promise you try to label me. You're going to see me in a few weeks and you're going to have to pull that label off because I'm going to have already decided I'm I'm not that anymore. I'm something completely different. She said something a year ago and I have it in print, but now she's saying something different. Yeah. And you know what? If you're not changing, and here's where I get it all the way back. I bring this big 100,000 foot vision all the way back down to the ground in the garden. And that is if you watch what's occurring in the ground, in the earth, You cannot stop change from occurring. You cannot stop time and space and weather. You can't stop seasons. You can't not see the cyclical nature of how we just do the same shit over and over and over and over and over and over and over. We're having the same types of conversations over and over and over and over. Historically, we're doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And you just keep seeing that and you just keep seeing it. At what point do we go, that has nothing to do with nature. We've created some kind of a mind loop. We've created some kind of a, a program that has us doing this. It's like we're, we're locked in this like insanity loop, mm-hmm. you know? And when I take everything back to the garden always, for me, I could see the idea that, that life is just a matter of regenerating. So what's the next generation going to bring into this conversation, right? It's a regeneration and we create what we need to create by putting and investing in it. So what are we investing in? What are we regenerating with the next generation that's coming after these breakdowns start to occur? I'm taking my kids to Smashing Pumpkins concerts. That's what you're doing? That's one of the things I'm doing. What if you don't have those types of pop culture distractions within the next 10 years? I believe that the human spirit... Oh, are you rabbit-holing us now? Are we going to do this? Are we going to go down this rabbit hole? I believe that the human spirit... I'll answer the question. You're very good at the distractions. I have said to you recently, you are my greatest distraction in life. Okay. Hypothetically. And I will chase down a distraction with you all day fucking long while we argue about it. Like, I will. We will. Oh, I don't do that anymore. Liar. (laughs) I'm breaking that loop right now. But I do believe that the human spirit requires artistic expression and that if the satellites fell out of the sky and the TV and radio and all that stuff crumbled and the internet broke, that we as a society would go back to oh, we would the, find some the kind actor of art. in the room, actress in the room, putting on a one-man show while we're around a campfire watching intently. Yeah. God, that sounds like a fun thing for us to do out here sometime. I think that that's where I'm going in my thought process. My faith takes me to... Distractions go away. No, not distractions go away. That we live in a world where we're not trying to distract ourselves from pain and horror all the time because... And certainly for you with pain and horror. We've moved on. Yeah. We've moved on. You know, we move past that. It's not where we're going. 
you know, and we're going to have to hold it down for a little while. I think, I think that's part of what I, I'm constantly referring to the regeneration and that regenerative nature of what's going on. Is it, we're going to have to hold it down for a while so that our great grandkids can live that out. I appreciate our attitude about the next generation, especially our kids' generation. Man, I set into that. I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. Like, I've been saying for a solid decade that, like, some shit's coming and we need to be laying it down. Like, we need to be legacying. We need to be figuring out how we're going to keep the next generations alive. Where I was going with it is this idea of generations beginning to poke at one another in some kind of weird duality. And we've always done it. For as long as I can remember, my parents said it, your grandparents said it. Oh, it's, but the it, age was, it gap was better was a lot in my different. day. The age gap was a lot further apart. That's well, what all... I mean about the generations aging differently than their age or before. So you because... see this like they all eat Tide Pods and they're all angry boomers. And I, A, that's a generalization that I know cannot be true. And B, forget that Tide Pod Bullshit. That's just that... two fucking immature generations battling with a gap in between them, which is us. Well, I know, but I find that the Big one that on for most, sides. the one generally though, that's growing up and trying to get past that faster is the younger generation. Yeah. Okay. But think about it like this. The generations that are fighting are the mother, daughter, father, son generation, because generally the boomers aren't our parents. They are my parents, but they're not your parents. Mm -hmm. And then the boomers are the parents of the millennials, like my brother. So I just kind of fall at the edge of that, that thing. We are the parents of the Gen Zers. We're the like laid back ones that birth the next generation. That's like, yeah, we're just not even, we don't even care about what y'all, we don't even, y'all have already destroyed it all. We're just going to paint it like a rainbow colored and call it whatever the fuck we want to. They, them, this, that, whatever we want, that's what we're doing. And I don't disagree with them, really. I mean, the biggest well, they, challenge they, they, that them. I have with um, them is that they don't understand how much propaganda they're being sold because they are avatars that have been looking at the computer their whole life. They don't know that that's an entire marketing Because well, advertising is so ubiquitous yeah. in that. It, yeah. Everything. That everything. everything. They're being sold all the lies. Sure. And in a weird way, like they're like, I say, when I say they're so indoctrinated, but they're not indoctrinated in the same way we were indoctrinated. So now we don't even exactly understand their indoctrination. They were indoctrinated by AI, basically. (laughs) Like, I mean, we didn't even indoctrinate them. Right. We will say something jokingly like, oh, the algorithm knows that I like. And here's the thing. I'm going to, I'm going to fill in the blank with something. Uh And I'm telling you right now, that's going to be a Facebook ad the next time I check Facebook. Uh. Stanley Tools. <laughs> what would you affect? I don't. What did Stanley Tools? I was about from? to say, like, does Stanley Tools even exist no. anymore? Craftsman Tools, <laughs> best brand, best brand still. Mine would be like Keen hiking shoes. Oh, I need a pair of those too. Mm-hmm. And what a perfect segue! Uh, it's October. Have we mentioned it's October? Are you excited about this weekend? I am excited about spending the weekend with my children. Okay. Are you excited about going to ACL? No. For the very first time no. since pre-pandemic. No. You're not excited about it at all? Not really, but that's okay. Even though you know that you have got I'm such have an, an amazing good partner time. that's going to do have an everything partner. to two-person team to make sure you're comfortable. I'm excited to see Pink. I'm excited to spend the day with my kids. Mm. I am excited to be outside. I'm excited to be in Austin. 
I don't really like people that much anymore. I think we made a good call when we got the one day only mm-hmm. ticket rather than the full weekend. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my mom today and told her, and she even remembered that about the concert we would go to every year, the festival. Mm-hmm. And I said, but we're only going on Saturday, only one day. And she said, why? And I said, mom, I'll be honest with you. I'm 50. The, I'm 50. That's, that's it. <laughs> a three-day outdoor festival is a chore. Uh-huh. Now, our kids, you know, young and spry, aren't going to give it another thought. Except for the last time we took them all together, we did go to the late night diner, Uh which I hope to do again. Uh And they're the ones that are like (laughs) falling asleep at the table while you and I... Well, the ones that were real... The year that that really happened was the first year we took the boys when they were like 12 and 13 or 13 and 14 or whatever. And they were literally asleep on the table by the time we... That makes this a 10-year tradition with a slight break for Coven. Well, no, we took the girls when the girls both were 13 and 14. That's the last time we went, I That's think. That's the last time we went. That was in 2019. That was a kind of a miserable year for me because that was the first year with my thyroid stuff. That's right. And I felt horrible, but yeah. it was. A, we saw some really great shows we that did. year. Yeah. Childish Gambino. Mm-hmm. So a buddy's going and his wife, and it's her first time to ever go to a music festival. Mm-hmm. And I connected on about it on social media and he started texting me, Hey, I haven't been to ACL since 2013 or 14. Mm-hmm. Got any tips? Where do I park? That kind of stuff. And I gave him our full rundown, the full itinerary. And then I started just sending him random information. We have narrowed our whole thing down between the two of us to one backpack. Mm-hmm. It's going to have two of our water containers in it. Mm-hmm. Can't take them in with water. They got to go in empty. There's refilling stations for water. Mm-hmm. A tapestry, a real thin sheet thickness mm-hmm. tapestry to lay down on the ground and then pick up quickly and shove it in the backpack when the band starts. Mm-hmm. A bottle of sunscreen. I got some spray sunscreen from doTERRA, by the way. Amazing. I'm so glad you told us that. And <laughs> I said, I might need to go buy a new pair of flip-flops because yeah. I need comfortable footwear i don't have shoes you don't have shoes yeah I don't. no either. i'm not gonna wear lace up like the keen hiking i'm not gonna do that i don't know what i'm gonna wear i don't have anything are we stopping i could wear i, I suppose i could just wear my old school thrasher burks but they're falling apart do we need to make a stop at whole earth as we have done to get one of us shoes on the way to acl many times dude we are so funny we do not shop uh-uh. i mean we we buy things yeah but we do not shop, man. Uh-uh. Often, just like this, necessity <laughs> creates finally the like, Okay, we're going to go hiking. Okay, purchase. I guess I better buy some hiking shoes. And then that's like the shoes I wear for the next year yeah. because I finally bought myself the hiking shoes that I needed. <laughs> we didn't talk about food. Let's talk about food. Okay. What did you say last week that you were dying to have? Popcorn. Pizza. Pizza. Yes. I figure we're going to Austin. We're going to easily find a gluten-free crust in a way we don't often find it here where we live. Yeah. And I landed us at Pint House Pizza so that I could enjoy a very special beer Uh before the show. Yeah. And the pizza you were craving. So I got a gluten-free vegetarian pizza and it had mushrooms, all kinds of mushrooms on it. I think it had a thin, thin layer of mozzarella cheese. And then it had local goat cheese on it. Uh-huh. And it had some arugula on it. And it was really, really good. I loved it. Great I, pizza. I, I enjoyed a great beer. Yes. 
And then we had a salad. Yes. And it had, you said it had some ranch dressing on it. Uh, I think that's what the menu said. Yeah. Was I a... told you to leave them, tell them to leave the croutons, leave the cheese off. Right. But then when it came to us, it was like tossed in a dressing. And I don't know what that was. Right. So that's what I had eaten so far. And this is, I've been pretty strict, you guys. I have barely added things in. I have... This has been a really interesting thing for me, this entry back in to Whole30. Yeah, we're 12 days into not being on Whole30 Yeah, and I am a solid five pounds under my my lowest weight right now. Hmm. How do you feel about that? Well, I told you whenever we were doing the Whole30 thing that I was going to have to eat more. And then... When we came out of the other end of Whole30, you've been much more lax about going back on to regular diet stuff than I have been. I'm trying to, you know, okay, I need probably need to do some uh, boiled eggs and I need to, you know, like I need to eat some more avocados. Like I still have to keep eating like that because my stomach, I can't just go get all that stuff and just put it back in my stomach. My stomach has been doing rejection, 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 rejection. No, no, no. Don't give me that back. Well, yeah, I remember that local goat cheese I think you pinned down as being... No, I, I still have no idea. And I'm not 100% certain that that's correct, that it was the cheese. Because then when we got to the concert to Moody Center, we were walking past uh, one of the little shop places and it was gelato. You know, just machine making gelato and they've got six flavors of gelato, but it said vegan gelato up there. So I was like, okay. So they did, it was like a lemon flavored, dairy free. So I I have no idea what was in the vegan gelato. gelato. I have no clue what they made that out of. But my stomach was rolling on the way back, not through the whole concert, thank God, but all the way home. And then you get that, you get that moment where at like 3 a.m. you wake up and you're like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. You know, that, that thing, that's when I know I've eaten something. So I kind of said, yeah, I pinned it down to dairy because of the cheese. Right. But then I've eaten, like you made me nachos because we talked about you were going to make me nachos so that I could test out the cheese and you brought the specific cheese out and we talked about it on the show last week. And so we tried that cheese. Now I've eaten that twice and that hasn't done any kind of weird, like major turnover of stomach anything. Last night we ate steak and then you fried okra and eggplant. And I made potato chips. And you made potato chips. Something of that that we ate left my stomach a little bit raw. Mm. The other thing that I've noticed since all of these like little tastes of this and that or whatever, we went to Art Walk for Savannah's birthday. Right. That was a great fun. And cake for Savannah. We're at the surf club. And I didn't drink. I have not been drinking, you no. guys. Mm-mm. And so I had like some bubble water and then you went down to the one of the little sushi places down the street and picked up some interesting, I don't know, vegetable thing and some what sushi. What do you mean? I don't know. I can't remember. I sent you, oh, okay, but I sent and, you the menu and then all of a sudden it was like, I want edamame. Yep. I want this grilled vegetable. It was vegetables. mostly vegetables. I want the lotus chips. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, ding, ding, it was ding, like ding, basically ding. my slot machine. Yeah, answer to the surf clubs, like snack foods. Like, let's get some little snacky foods. I want to be all snacky at the bar like everyone else, but I can't eat this other stuff. It's going to make me sick and I don't want to be miserable. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the night, as we were about to head home, I was like, we had had such a great time. Yeah, we good. went to this amazing art exhibit with these huge 
explain they're what we basically saw. Basically, like marionette puppet. Well, they're controlled by the, a person on the ground. They're about twelve foot tall, and you're not going to get above those. Yeah. You're below them yeah. with ropes and covered in print art. Print art, yeah. Because it was during a print making festival Show weekend, festival. Mm-hmm. and then they affix the print art to these marionettes to make four animals. Yeah, and they were the four animals of the indigenous. Right, they were on wheels, Mm -hmm. and then they had a little parade that ended at a... North, south, east, west, kind of like a celebratory, indigenous celebratory thing is what they were doing. And the artist in charge of making them Mm -hmm. was in the band... That was playing on the stage behind them. So this cool death metal as these Pyrotechnics and all this cool shit going on, and all the handlers had heads, and it was... And so we were there for the concert. We were there for this whole thing going on it was just like good vibes downtown was like super creative we'd just been hanging out with all these super crazy creative 17 year olds so there was like good vibes and i was like you know what we should go over and just get a drink and i wasn't even sure i wanted a drink drink i just wanted to go like sit one more little spot Mm -hmm. at the bar and hang out and i made a decision like right as we were walking up i was like i want to get a the highest quality mezcal that they have i'm gonna have the good shot right and so i did and the shot was fine i had that one shot i sat there with the friend let me just clarify you're not doing a shot you're sipping on right, and right, serving right. of right finest mezcal yes that gold 28 bucks right no no our two drinks together i got There's the 28 yeah so 14 like that's not no. not and that's not the quality i'm talking about if you want a fine <laughs> shot of mezcal in we'll, austin we'll you walk go. in well i better yeah. get alone yeah, yeah, we're going to actually. But the big deal about that was the next morning, I felt like I had a hangover, man. I think that's just and you having that first alcohol in your system in 37 days. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about this like kind of like spiritual awakening and things like that occurring where your body's just not interested in that shit anymore. And yeah. I'm feeling that since 2019, my body has just been aggressively rejecting things that are bad for me. Let me tell you the biggest step that I've made in the post whole 30 experience. Mm-hmm. I'm not bringing beer home anymore. Mm, yeah. Craft beer people are craft beer seekers. Mm -hmm. And anytime you find something special, you buy it. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't intend on drinking it soon or if you don't even need it, you buy it so that you have it and you put it in your cellar and you collect it. I'm toying with the idea that was just an excuse for me to grab a beer out of the fridge Mm -hmm. on a random Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Something you said last week. I mean, it makes sense. You can eat cake. You can't have cake every day. (laughs) rather you shouldn't eat cake every day people eat cake as often as you decide that you want to a special drink great but not every day i'll be curious to see like how my body reacts continues to react because i went to bellino's the other day to do a delivery drop off and danny was there and she made me a mocktail Mm -hmm. and it was great and it was all i needed like i want to come sit at the bar and talk that's what i love to do Make me a drink so I feel good. Don't put any alcohol in it. How about that? Yeah. So I think that there's going to be a lot of elements of that. I don't, I, I would guess that I'll probably be a glass of wine with dinner when, when I'm, when we're at special dinner kind of situations. Sure. Um, because that little sip of wine that I had at the reunion group, poor day group thing, that didn't bother me. I didn't notice any, like, I didn't have any like feelings about that or yeah. whatever. I haven't really entered dairy. Like whenever I went to go get a latte the other day, I made sure to ask him to do a non-dairy cream for yeah. me. When we went to eat taqueria food the other day, yeah. I'm pretty much just like eggs and 
pico potatoes, pico guacamole, you know, I'm just even more now popcorn has been back on rice has been back on Mm -hmm. not feeling any pain from either one of those one step at a time. It's feeling really good, but I do have to figure out this caloric increase. Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell, I can tell the shape of my body. One of the things when I cut back years ago, when I cut back on meat, the way my body thinned and changed, it really adapted. My body changed a lot and I got real thin with not a lot of muscle, right? Now, because I do so much work and I'm really moving around, I'm getting pretty thin, but i also have these little cut muscles. I need to figure out how to make sure that I'm maintaining the amount of protein that I'm eating. Mm-hmm. So, um, getting some more legumes back in, eating hummus, I took the hummus and added some of my delicious red peppers that I'm grinding up, drying and grinding up now with the paprika. Yeah, you talked about that that last week. Mm, And mixing that up with some sesame seeds and then stuffing it back in a little sweet pepper. So then I've got that snack. I'm still eating a lot of fruit. I've got to stick with it more, you know, And, and it's better for me when you stick with it more because you're the one that buys the food and you're the one that cooks the food most of the time and preps the stuff and all of that. So it's always easier on me when you're doing it. I don't know what's changed since Whole30's gone. I mean, forget the idea that I ate a little tiny piece of birthday cake and you didn't. I don't know what's changed as far as how your diet would be affected well, by I anything I'm doing. I think that I'm you doing. were much more focused on what, you, what we were eating, what was in the refrigerator, whether there was like good... You well, know. I'm going to refocus in because... But no, we did come to a refocus again the other day okay. when I said, bring home those cucumbers, you know, whatever. Yeah. We need to make sure we have plenty of hummus, make sure we have bold eggs. Yeah. You know, it's just, I've got to stay on top of that. Like I always, and I, it's easy to slack off, you know, but I don't want to. I could easily, without keeping myself accountable, go back to where I was. And I don't want to because I feel better. I look better. My mental clarity, all of it. Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into? Okay, I made this question up during the course of our talk tonight. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite pair of shoes you ever owned? Favorite pair of shoes I ever owned. It might okay, be a okay. brand that you got into a rut with. It might be a special pair that you saved up for. It might be something you found in a thrift store. In your entire memory of your life, what's the favorite shoes you ever owned? Um, one time I found a pair of leather pleather slides. And this had to have been in the late 90s or very early 2000s. When that was kind of a style, you wore the little slip-on shoes with no backs. And there were these little black leather slip-on slides, and they were from Payless. And I freaking loved those shoes. I wore those shoes. I couldn't give them up. And even till they were, like, falling apart, I would hang on to them. And, and I, I would go back, and I would go to Payless and look. And I, I even – sometimes I'll even go online to some of the thrift store things And I'll like look around to look at like slide in shoes, leather slide in shoes to see if there's any of them like those pair so I could get another pair of them. I bought other pairs that were supposed to be like them. Never, never. Like little like moccasin slide shoes. Man, I love those shoes. I wore those dead. Oh, I'm dead. I think my favorite shoe that I ever was into, because that's how I am. I get a pair of shoes and that's what I buy until I either get sick of it. (laughs) Yeah, you do. I know. This is the exact same shoes. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's was okay. my K-Swiss shoes in middle school into early high school. K-Swiss tennis cool. shoes. They were all white shoes. They almost looked like nurse shoes, but they, uh-huh. especially yeah. when you broke them in, they got a little dirty. They looked great. I'm going to call them my uh, K-Swiss. They had a name, but I can't remember what it was. I had a pair of K-Swiss. I know exactly which ones you're talking about. Fifty-year-old dad trying to be cool. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.